What's up, everybody? This is Eddie. Hey, we are coming at you live here at Flex Machine Tools, and welcome. It's so good to be back to our latest live episode of Flex and Friends, a video cast experience series where I get to sit down, chat, hang out with, and really pick the brain of the industry's loudest, proudest, best, brightest, and most passionate and profound thought leaders. Hey, and we talk about everything, you guessed it, manufacturing. And today we have another absolute OG killer in the specific game, a really respected human being who's humble, but also very confident in really what they bring to the conversation. So without further ado, you've been really highly anticipating this guy. We're going to bring in my friend, Mike, from probably one of the most fun to pronounce names in the industry, Festo Didactic. Let's bring him on in. Mike is official, man. There are a lot of people excited for you and I to talk, man. And it's really great to have you here. And, and dude, we're going to jump right into it. So Mike from Festo Didactic. Really, man, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. And uh, I'm really glad to be here, Eddie. We had this on the schedule for a long time. You're booked up for three months. So for people that are interested in joining your program, it's not uh, a next week sort of thing. You got to get on the schedule with you. Right. Well, I appreciate it. And you definitely have your spot. You're doing a lot of amazing things for the industry and the education world and a variety of different things. And you you already know, Mike, we're going to jump on into it. But even though we're going to talk a lot about the things, you know, that you're doing from a professional level, uh, I love to get to know other human beings. And I think you got a lot of cool things to, to really say. So if you could give us a quick preview of who Mike is personally and professionally. Yeah, uh, thanks, Eddie. So uh, Mike is the professional. I'm an engineer by education, but for 25 years, I've been working in the manufacturing space. So most of my career has been working for companies of, that manufactured industrial controls, and these controls are used in every other manufacturing um, industry, every other utility around the around the world. So over those 25 years, I got a real nice view of all different types of manufacturing, discrete process, hybrid, and also in the utility space. And uh, about six years ago, I decided to uh, change a little bit from sales and marketing and, and selling widgets to getting into the education space, specifically the technical education space. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought me to uh, Festo Didactic. I'm coming to you, by the way, personally from F uh, Freehold, New Jersey. That's my hometown now, right by the shore, the Jersey Shore a very famous phrase, and uh, that's where I am uh, currently. So, Well, for, being from the Jersey Shore, did you get your gym tan and laundry in today, Mike? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, there I you go. Be too. careful. You're going to break that shirt, my guy. And, hey, quick <laughs> shout-out. We got Nikki here. Nikki jumping in the chat box. She says, hi. Hey, Mike, excited to hear from you. Big Festo didactic fan from my days as a Festo uh, SE. So, uh, hey, Nikki. That. Wow. Perfect. Great. There we go, which is great stuff. So the man from Jersey Shore. All right, so now we got a little <laughs> bit from you personally and professionally. Mike, I, I got to know, because I think you can learn a lot about a human uh, by really learning what they're passionate about. So what is Mike passionate about? Yeah, so right now I'm passionate about being an evangelist for the manufacturing industry. You know, as I said in my introduction, I've been involved in manufacturing. I really didn't see the big picture for a long time, the whole ecosystem. Okay. Uh, that's uh, out there. And right now it's a really exciting time because with the pandemic that's happened over the last two years, there's a lot of financial and political pressures to reshore that manufacturing 
back into the United States for a variety of reasons. And, and I'm sure your listeners know what most of them are. I won't re reiterate them all here. But um, uh, when that happens, it's going to be, well, where are all the people going to be working in these factories, these plants, this new manufacturing paradigm? Where are they all going to come from? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, before the pandemic, manufacturers had a, a hard time finding new employees. It's not uncommon for uh, manufacturers to have open wrecks for 100 people, 200 people, 300 people in the different trades, disciplines and dis uh, yeah, and in the different disciplines. And now it's going to be even worse. There's going to be a lot more competition uh, for that. And that's how I kind of got into the education uh, area, because we've got to start there, manufacturers, uh, if, you know, the listeners are, are working for a manufacturing plant, this is part of your problem, and you have to be part of the solution for it. So that's what I'm kind of uh, passionate about uh, from the manufacturing side. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, for, for young people, I want to let them know that, hey, this thing exists out there uh, called manufacturing, and it gives you a great opportunity for a career and a profession that you can be proud of and mm -hmm. give it a shot. Uh, think about it because right now most people aren't even thinking about it on average. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if they're a high school uh, person, you know, the other industries get a lot of press, uh, a lot of hype. They get TV shows and people are like, yeah, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we have to look at the manufacturing industry and encourage young people uh, to consider it. So those are the mm -hmm. two kind of, uh, you know, uh, mirror images of, of what I'm passionate about right now. Mm -hmm. And when you could tell, because a lot of, obviously, you know, I, I think, and I obviously say, I think I know when you find an individual who's passionate, that's great. But when you find an individual who's passionate about their work, the results that you see are going to be far greater than that of the alternative. And I think that you're no exception to that rule specifically. So again, let's get into really this super fun name. And I'm not trying to downplay it or like, you know, put you know, whatever a crayon over it, but Festo Didactic, such a fun thing to say and it, it's so funny and then what is this brett pops up he says let's see what brett say brett says we were thinking about not dying there we go ah. there we go <laughs> okay <laughs> He gets it. He gets it, man. No worries. And so that being said, yep. Festo Didactic. So be honest, I didn't know a whole lot prior to you and I talking, you know, a couple months back. And so I got to learn a lot more. So for any individual who may not be as familiar, can you let us know what Festo does for the manufacturing world and kind of how does it make it better? We got to know, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, Eddie. I'd, I'd be happy to. So a lot of uh, your listeners might uh, recognize Festo, especially if they're in the automation and control portion of manufacturing, as probably one of the world's uh, largest and uh, high-quality suppliers of different pneumatic and electronic controls that are used in manufacturing plants. So uh, Festo, the corporation, is a German-based company in southern Germany and has been in business for 75 years or so, okay. uh, producing these high-quality automation components that are used all over the world. So a very, very good name in, um, in the industry. What's a little bit less known is uh, that's Festo Automation, okay? Okay. okay. Festo Didactic, and didactic's a Latin word for learning. Um, I had oh. to look that up the first time that I uh, heard that. It, it sounded a little... Um, strange. Um, so I had to look that up. Uh, 
is a sister company, and this sister company has been was established in 1965, okay. and a part of it was born out of a passion of the owners of the company for technical education, because uh, one, you know, we needed highly educated people in our own plants to produce these great products that everyone else in the world uses, and then also two, the customers that bought those products had to be trained on how to use them properly. Uh, it was cutting edge. It's not you know, something that was done before, a better way of doing things, and people have to be trained. So this Festo Didactic Division was formed as a separate entity under the same ownership to really, instead of going out to OEMs and end users and machine builders with widgets and products, to go to high schools, community colleges, and universities and help uh, establish those industrial maintenance programs, those industrial engineering programs with the right curriculum and the right equipment for students to get hands-on training. So mm -hmm. fo following very much the German apprentice model of you learn by doing, mm -hmm. uh, we place equipment and the curriculum into these educational facilities so that the graduates coming out when they go to companies like yours or any other manufacturer in, in the country or in the world have those skill sets to hit the ground running uh, with a minimal amount of on-the-job training. So that, that's okay. how we uh, kind of came about. 1965, it's a pretty good track record. We're, we're probably the biggest uh, um, supplier in this area of technical education worldwide. Solid, solid. And speaking of solid, Nikki, back up in that comment section, and we love it. So Nikki says, I love how the family owners of Festo have followed their passions, including <laughs> yes. didactic and the bionic learning network. So, oh, and then, okay. hey, Brett, usually we don't pull questions up too much, but hey, let, let's figure this out. Brett, he's got to know, how about some job placement services? Look at that, man. Mike, what are we saying mm -hmm. about job placement services, yo? Is, is that somewhere we go, or do we deviate from that right now? Well, we really haven't uh, we we haven't really been that involved in in that portion of it, but that's something to consider. You know, it's it's a big field. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts, and you know, we're you know, I'm seeing all your gears moving around on your background. You know, that's how I kind of uh, are, are looking at this problem. There's a lot of chicken and egg type of questions that get asked sure. about training, education, who's responsible for it, mm -hmm. who pays for it. Um, and they all have to be solved at once to get all those gears moving in the right direction. So mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's not simplistic. Let me let me say it that way. Well, I can only imagine. I'm a simpleton at best, you know, on my best day, if you will. So, hey, I love this. Nikki, Brett, love you jumping in that comment section. Anybody else watching live, pop something in that comment section. We'll pull it up. Even if you just say, hey, hello, here's where we're joining from. Mike and I would love to hear from you. So that being said, when we're talking about kind of how you got into the manufacturing space, you gave us a little bit of background there. But is there any other interesting components about your specific story that got you into that manufacturing world, essentially? Or, or, or what, man? What you got? Oh, uh, no, I, I have to say, you know, it would be great if I had a, a master plan and uh, I had it all figured out. I, I kind of fell into it. So right out of college, my first uh, company that I worked for was a manufacturer of these types of industrial controls, very heavily in the pharmaceutical and the utility industry. And that's where I got my start. And that's where I just kind of stayed. Right. So, uh, uh, hey, well, why not? It was it was it was pretty interesting. And 
And, uh, you know, now, you know, the future is brighter than it's ever been, uh, you know, in, in, in this world. So, um, yeah, yeah. There we go. No, good stuff. Good stuff. I mean, you ended up in it and that's what matters. And you're here with us and we're talking about it, Mike. So I love it. And then additionally, so you obviously get to see and you've been able to see throughout your career the effects that uh, manufacturing has specifically on the U.S. landscape. But before we get into that specific topic, we got my girl, Audrey Thomas, who just jumped in and we got to pull her up. She says, new slogan suggestion, presto. It's Festo. <laughs> Love hearing two manufacturing evangelists talk shop. Audrey, my girl. My yeah. girl. We got some uh, some marketing uh, ideas coming in. That's great. Yes, we do. Hey, Presto, it's Festo. That's a new tattoo, Mike. You getting it? <laughs> Hey, hey, way up, you know, <laughs> first time go. for everything. I love it. Nikki, Nikki, again, thank you so much for the comments. And as we go on, I'll be pulling these up, if you will. Love them so much. Thank you again, Nikki, Audrey, Brett, everybody. And then so, Mike, for you, because going back to the question, the question um, again, you've been able to really see the importance and the, the major effects that have really been provided, you know, from U.S. manufacturing, its innovation, and all this, that grit, if you will. But how important is manufacturing not only in U.S.? but across the world with you kind of representing an international brand. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, well, I, I, I think the, the figures speak for themselves. So every, every place that manufacturing goes, standards of living increase. And this has been proved uh, over several decades in every part of the world. So where manufacturing goes, it's one of the prime drivers of any economy. Right. Uh, there's a lot of secondary industries that pop up to support manufacturing. And, you know, that's retail, that's hospitality, that's the financial sector. But that prime driver, the thing that makes the difference is manufacturing. And as manufacturing was, you know, sent to other places in the world, um, you, you can notice a great increase in that standard of living in those places where it ended up. So, you okay. know, uh, you know, uh, Mexico, the far East, China, Taiwan, you know, all those sort of areas over the last 30 years, you see it. So it's an extremely important from a financial uh, standpoint, from a societal standpoint, because manufacturing by its nature tends to employ a lot of people at, relatively good wages compared to the other uh, types of uh, positions that are out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but now there's also a political component because as the pandemic came out and, you know, as an Americans, uh, you know, I'm in my fifties now, I never once in my life before went to a, a store or a supermarket and saw an empty shelf. I mean, that was just something that I never saw. I never even knew there was a shelf behind all that food that was sitting on top of it. Right. I, I was just kind of levitating there all these years. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to go in there and see there's no toilet paper, no paper towels, and uh, no uh, and, and 95 mask, uh, I think that was a wake-up call for a lot of people. Right. Um, uh, hey, you know, where's this stuff coming from? Uh, why is it manufactured 6,000 miles away? Um, mm -hmm. you know, on, on the background that I have here, you know, you might be wondering, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a strange background. Um, this, this photo came out of a book of the history of Philadelphia and, uh, we were leafing through and we realized that my grandfather was uh, featured here. No. So that's my grandfather in 1949 at a television manufacturing plant in center city, Philadelphia. So 
So now you yes. say, okay, well, at one point in this country, we had heavy manufacturing in in the center of metro areas. What happened? Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What happened? Right. So yeah, yeah. These are the old-fashioned TVs. If you you know you the old tubes, you see those old shows that you know predate even me. So um, uh, and, and and that's what I think we have to get uh, back to. Uh, there's a national security element to all of this. The Department of Defense, Department of Energy, they're also looking at the supply chain uh, deeply. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as you know. Eddie, everything has several layers of suppliers, sub-suppliers, 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 right? It's probably 10 levels deep, and they're taking that deep level look. Oh, if we want a semiconductor, what do we need as a material? What do we need? Boom, boom, boom. And um, people were not happy with what they found when they did that analysis. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were in a a situation that we don't want to be in. Let's put it that way. So, sure. so uh, this is all a part of the drive. It's going to push the manufacturing domestically, and that's what we're trying to prepare people for. Sure, sure. Intriguing stuff. It really is. And I love that you bring up the whole, like, the, the, the toilet paper uh, reference because it's so relevant. It will always be, like, for as long as you and I are alive, regardless of our gap in age, in our lifetime, <laughs> no one will forget that type of situation. And so, and I, I love how this is a great transition into kind of my next thought and question is, so now you've discussed how important U.S. manufacturing is, and you get it because you're in the trenches, right? But oh, yeah. For those individuals who aren't in the trenches and who are those general consumers who are wondering, oh, there's a shelf behind, you know, the, the, that can of corn or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> what do you think... The major or, I guess, general individual thought is on manufacturing in the U.S. Like, what's that perception and what do you think caused this said perception? Yeah, so so manufacturing as a general perception in the U.S. uh, has a pretty bad one, right? So uh, a lot of people are thinking back maybe to the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, whenever they – last had uh, an impression of manufacturing before a lot of it left and uh, went uh, to, to, to other places. So the classic cliche is, oh, you know, it's dark, dangerous, and, you know, um, dead end, you know, a dead end job uh, uh, to get into it. And, um, you know, for, for people that are working in the industry, you know, I've been around to hundreds and hundreds of different manufacturing plants. And as a rule, you know, they're very sophisticated, very clean, very safe. You're not going to go deaf uh, uh, working in there. And that's all because of automation, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to get that message out kind of to the, the general public, to the parents, to the teachers, to the young people, to at least get it on the radar screen. Um, so when I when I started thinking about it that way, you know, I went on to Amazon and you know, I was like, what are the introductory books to manufacturing for a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old or a guidance counselor that never stepped into a manufacturing facility to, to let them know what's going on? And you know what? You know, Amazon has like 10 billion books. Uh, there wasn't a single one that I found that kind of addressed it. So I, wow. I took it on myself, and that's why I wrote this, The Smart Student's Guide to Smart Manufacturing. Yes! Yes! <laughs> so... Um, very, you know, and I try to, you know, I try to strip out all the acronyms and, you know, the funny words and all that and just say, mm-hmm. this is what it is. This is why it's important. And this is why you might want to consider 
getting into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So that, 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 that was the piece that I did. That was my COVID project in, uh, when can you show us that book again? We pulled that up oh, to the yeah. screen. Let's let everybody oh, yeah. see that. That's we what go. we need to see <laughs> this, this right here. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's Mike. That's, that's a beautiful, thank you so much for showing us that because that's huge. And honestly, again, transitions into my next question. So you obviously wrote this in supporting education and training. That's your thing. That's what you love. That's what you're, you're really just an expert at. And, and I love that you did that. So one, let me just provide a collective public. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> right. represent everybody. Thank you so much. Oh, one second. Nikki yeah. needs to know where in the yeah. world can she buy this book, Mike? Oh wow, yeah. Well, it's uh if you like ebooks, you can get it anywhere. Um I learned a lot about the publishing industry doing this. So I have what is called wide distribution. You can go on and get an ebook and if you like uh paper like this, uh that's available only on Amazon. So uh, that's there we go. That, so. Well, that's good. I'm glad you let us know that. And then also, Audrey, again, sweetheart, you are you are just you're a wonderful human being. It says Mike, <laughs> myself, and Tony Gunn, the dream team. There we go. The dream team. <laughs> right. Thank you, thank you. We are we're um, currently recruiting two more for the Fab Five. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we're having too much fun here today. So that's amazing. So kind of back to our question. I apologize because we had to yep. make sure that Nikki knew exactly and everybody else yeah. where to get that book, support the cause and read up on it and then distribute this accordingly. So education and training for manufacturers. Why is it so important? And we're going to dive in a couple different ways. Let's first start. Why is it so important, Mike? I'm sorry. Why is it so important? for Why me? is education and training like for ah. manufacturers, why is it so important? Of course, it could be like simplistically said, but I, I want to hear what Mike's thought on why it's so important. Yeah, so the, the sophistication level in manufacturing plants is going up, and that path is, uh, is going to accelerate as time goes on. We're already introducing things like artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality into the plant floor, into the manufacturing space. So these are skill sets uh, that are are far beyond uh, robotic uh, skill sets. And by that, I mean, in the past, you know, you, you know, if you imagine a huge manufacturing mass production line, you know, maybe you think of 500 people sitting at a, at a, a table doing a very repetitive task, you know, screwing in the back cover of a, something, a phone, um, over and over a day, eight days a week. Well, that type of job is going away if it hasn't already. Uh, they're not going to exist. Um, there, there's no chance of those jobs existing in, in the future. The jobs that will be there, and there will be a lot of them, is um, leveraging these technologies that are coming out of Silicon Valley and out of the cyber world and you know, out of the big tech companies into the manufacturing environment. And what manufacturers are going to need is a more highly skilled and versatile workforce. And that's part of what Festo's didactic mission statement is, working with the schools, working with the universities. So we make sure that skill set, both the hard skills and soft skills, are in that individual so that they can then say, oh, okay, we can... uh, we, we can implement a machine learning algorithm that'll help our quality control improve by 2% at 2%. Jeez. 
that that's <laughs> you know that that's ten times more than what anyone was hoping any single uh, initiative would do. So uh, so so that's the vested interest that manufacturers should have in in education and in workforce. Mm-hmm. And and I always say, you know, I came from a sales and a marketing background. We always had a, you know, we always viewed the 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 competitive landscape. We got to get more market share. We got to get more sales, more customers. You know, we want our competitors' customers, right? It was always we want that, them all. We want them all, right in here. Come on, we're the best. Come on, right in here. Um, but 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 there's another front on this battle in the competitive mm-hmm. landscape, and that is talent and workforce. So I always say your marketing department should be spending as much time and as much money with the HR department as they do with the sales department. Because um, look, right now, if you're a manufacturer and if you don't have more orders than you know what to do with at this point, there's something very, very wrong in your business. Uh, Everyone is going full speed ahead, back ordered and has business. What is, is there's a lot of empty desks, empty seats. There's a lot of people like me, look at this hair here, right? Uh, You know, Um, (laughs) okay, there you go. Uh, you know, we've got an aging workforce and, and, you know, time is not going to solve that problem. You know, uh, it, it might make it worse. So, uh, you know, you got to get more young people like you, Eddie, you get people even younger than you um, yeah. interested in this and into the thing. It's not going to happen by accident. Right. Mm-hmm. No, no one thinks so. Oh, you know, I, I made a great new widget. Uh, look how great this widget is. Um Come and buy it. No, no one thinks that that's going to happen. You have to hire a sales force. You have to have a marketing department. You have to present this product in a good light, give demonstrations. Well, guess what? It's the same with workforce and, and getting workers to come in. Mm-hmm. To there, you know, you got to sell them on your company. Sure. You know, it's sure. just not asking them the questions and, 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 and weeding them out. So, um, so, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done on all these on all, all sides of this of this issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, all you've sides. told us not only why is it important, you've kind of stated a little bit what some individuals may be doing, not well, let's say incorrectly, if you will. And then you kind of covered as well what we can do better. But lastly, I, I do want to make sure that if we pound any point into this specific segment of our conversation is what can individuals do better? You gave the 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 great concept, I think, of of the market should be spending just as much effort, whatever time and bandwidth in the HR department as it does, you know, everywhere else. That's great. What else can we do better, Mike? We we need to know. Uh, uh, better from the manufacturer's viewpoint. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. What, what needs to be done for for better education and training? How can we as an industry do better to set the future up to actually want to care? Because right now I don't think we're doing that. What can we do better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we always like to talk about the the skills gap. So that skills yep. gap is zeroing in on the individual that is lacking of something, right? Um, but there's an awareness gap. So the awareness gap is that that individual doesn't realize that there's an opportunity at the manufacturing uh, facility because they they're not aware of it. So the very first thing, what can be done? Well, you know, in October of every year, there's manufacturing week. Open up your doors if you're a manufacturer. Let the public in. Let them see that. If you have some robotics and some other cool technology that's moving around in that plant, open it up to the public. It doesn't hurt. 
your insurance rider is going to cover it. I, <laughs> there's no issue with that. Let the 15-year-olds in uh, to see it because, you know what, that 15-year-old is going to be a 20-year-old, you know, like that, you know. Um, and uh, it could be the next great employee that, you know, uh, brings your company into a different direction. So you got to get that awareness gap narrowed down so that people, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I never, uh, I drove by this place every day. I never didn't know there was 25 robots in there doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, do that. Um, you know, try to create some uh, internship positions. Uh, the community colleges around the country in general are doing a great job in, in getting people with these basic skill sets. Um, don't make them wait until they're 22 and graduating to, to see it. Get them in when they're 18. Yeah, it doesn't cost that much. And, then, but, and pay them a little bit of money. Don't make them work for you for free just because they're an intern. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost that much, right? So, you know, have them come in. Give them some little jobs to uh, to do and and by the way, you might find a, you know a real gem uh, that you're going to hire you know in a, in, in a year or two. Mm-hmm. So those are some ideas that don't really take a lot of effort. Yeah, it doesn't seem take like a it. lot of money, right? Right. Um, you know, uh, students are, are are happy to make twelve dollars an hour. You know, uh, for for twelve hours a week, right? S- something like that. It, it, it's sure. it's it's nothing. So right, no, and that makes sense. Ideas. Great ideas, by the way. And then additionally, we got my man over. Better call Bill. He says, <laughs> "Embrace lean principles." Does this uh, resonate with you whatsoever, Mike? Well, it certainly does, and and that's a, a great point. And by the way, everyone, Nikki and and Audrey and Bill and everyone, uh, really great comments. So, uh, if we go back to this, you know, this is the Smart Students Guide to Smart Manufacturing, right? Uh, and and Industry 4.0. All right. So I snuck that in there, you know, as a little buzzword, right? Um, <laughs> right. So, you know, there's a lot of chatter about Industry 4.0. And, you know, it's a great thing for, for geeks and nerds to like to talk and argue about. Um, but everything is building on the foundation. So lean principles are a, you know, uh, a, a tried and true principle of Industry 3.0, if you want to use that paradigm. Mm-hmm. That will continue into Industry 4.0 and become even more and more important. Um, because, you know, uh, in the paradigm of Industry 4.0, we're talking about more personalized products, less mass runs of products, and getting it exactly right is going to be critical. You can't hide it under uh, volume, right? If, if um, it, It's got to be 100% perfect. You can't have 99% perfect. Um, in right. uh, industry 4.0. So lean's very, very important. Sure, sure. And then we, we got to keep talking about this smart student's guide to smart manufacturing. I'm infatuated with it. Nikki's obviously all about it. And I'm all about Nikki being all about it. Nikki says, what, <laughs> what age range students is the book targeted at, Mike? Well, you know, when I was writing it, I was keeping my, um, my, my daughters in mind who at the time were in high school. So that was kind of the the mindset that I had. And then, um, you know, for Mother's Day, I gave it to my mom, uh, who, who's about, you know, 80 years old almost. And uh, she read it and she's like, oh, I didn't think I would understand anything, but I, I understood it. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't that complicated. I say, no, it's not that complicated when you get right down to it. Um, so, so, yeah, so the high school level, 
was what it was written at. And, and I really tried to, and sometimes when you're so close to the subjects, it's hard. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I tried yeah. to strip out the, the acronyms and the buzzwords and the things that were needlessly complex, because this is supposed to be an introduction. It's not supposed to be the encyclopedia of manufacturing, right? It's supposed to get someone to think that, oh, maybe this is something worthwhile pursuing. So, uh -huh. yes. Again, Nikki, great questions. I just got to say, everybody, uh, MVP of the comment section here. Um, uh, Nikki's absolutely killing it. A close second <laughs> to Audrey for the uh, new amazing uh, Festo marketing campaign they're getting ready to relief, uh, release. So great. We love it. These shows are amazing. Obviously, we love having Mike here, but uh, everyone in the comment section really, really love it. And even Nikki says, man, she would have loved more hands-on experience in school, and she probably would have loved to have Mike's book so again more good love <laughs> being shown that. here you got megan zimba is not here but i know she will get excited yes megan is uh, amazing she was on this show before as well a part of this amazing squad of human beings that are doing good stuff and then okay so lastly here mike i, I want to put a pretty little red bow on this conversation but still make sure we get the things talked about so we we have this book so how can we use this guide if you will how can students use this guide appropriately outside of just picking it up and reading it like what are some small list of deliverables that we can say hey here's what needs done yeah so in the last chapter of the book i gave some ideas about how do you get into it okay so say you're sold in into the um idea that this could be a, a nice career path for me um and you know, it's something that you can do right out of high school. You know, like if someone is in high school and, you know, they've had enough of school for now, right? Uh, they want to get out. They want to make some money. If you can demonstrate good soft skills, and by that I mean some good communication, some being able to show, you know, uh, the appropriate amount of enthusiasm to, to come into an organization, you can get in there start making some money. All right, it's not going to be the top dollar right off the bat because you don't have the experience yet. You're, mm -hmm. you're right out of school. But people will give you the chance and you can make it work. And that gives you the opportunity to be able to see, hey, do I like this? Do I not like it? If I do like it, I want to go back to school. What in this plant is interesting to me the most? Is it the robotics? Is it the machining? Is it something else? Is, is it something in the business? Is it the sales and marketing? I like those that idea. And then you can go into that. And then I also um, detail a little bit, well, if you want to go to the two-year college, the four-year college, what paths open up, you know, in that if you're already set on that path. So mm -hmm. that, that that would be kind of the, the, the takeaway. Uh, each of the chapters typically talked about a technology uh, before that, either a hardware or software a technology. But that last chapter was really, how do you get into into the industry and get your foot in the door so okay okay clear actionable items for anybody and i'm excited to, to see this book continue to be distributed you know, not only in your your area but just around the the really the industry i think it's great it's really wonderful what you're doing to advocate for the future of uh, of this industry because it quite literally relies on that future workforce so what Definitely. you're doing is planting some amazing seeds that i hope you know that you're able to really see some of that big impact because you're clearly making it and then so for uh, for individuals who want to be impacted more, want to learn more, or to keep in touch with you, Mike, as well as all the amazing things going on 
at Festo Didactic. Gosh, that's fun to say. Yeah, where, can, where, can, where can we look, my man? Where can we look? <laughs> yeah, that's a great words with friend word. So keep that in mind. So uh, uh, I, I would say um, join with me on LinkedIn. That That's the platform that I use the most consistently. Mm-hmm. And anything that Festo is doing that's of uh, specific interest or, or, or super great, I always make sure to list that and give links there. And that that's probably like your one-stop shop. Uh, just mm-hmm. just join my LinkedIn uh, uh, network, and uh, we'll keep in touch that way. There we go. That's lovely. And then lastly, but certainly not least, Audrey says, we need to get people on the streets <laughs> passing out Mike's book. Like we are on a mission <laughs> from God. Oh, wow. Man, that's, uh, that's some good that's stuff. A, and, yeah, right? That is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to that, Mike? What do you say? Is that flattering or what, man? I will say I'm, I'm absolutely speechless. I never thought um, I would hear that quite that way. Exactly. Your book <laughs> and a mission from God all in the same comment. <laughs> We're done here. No, that's amazing. Mike, really just truly appreciate uh, everything that you've done, that you're continuing to do. Looks like we've got some collaboration already happening here in the chat section. Your book's yep. getting distributed, homie, so just prepare thyself. Okay. Right? Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> well, I'll really call good. Jeff Bezos, tell him to get the printing press ready. It's going to be a run. Tell him to get them all ready. <laughs> no, this is good. But Mike, you get truly appreciative, and on behalf of everybody, not only in the comment section, uh, but just everyone in your network as well as myself, super just humbled and respectful and appreciative of truly everything. Thanks for being on the show and then thank each and every one of you for checking out and being honestly one of the coolest parts of this show and jumping in that comment section make sure you check us out every single week as we go live with another amazing person just like mike so again thank you all so much you all stay awesome stay flexing and we'll surely see you next time